the humble place. And you're going to love it. You're going to love understanding and entering into the humble place. Because the humble place is your haven. It is a place of strength and peace and rest and love and power. It is the place where you get to hand everything over to Jesus. It's a place you get to trust him and to rest secure in his love. When we stay in that place, the humble place, God can move us by his Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Who here wants to get to know the Holy Spirit better? I do. I think we're going to be on a journey to do that in the next weeks. When we are in our humble place, our lives are filled with his love, with his power, with his strength. And we get to affect those around us for him truly. Our humble places are haven for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is a place for the fire of God. It is a place where rivers of living water flow forth. It is the root, listen, it is the root of the flow of God's anointing through us. It is a spring from which come forth rivers of living water. Who, wants he, who here wants to have rivers of living water constantly ushering forth from their bellies? Hallelujah. Because our humble place is rooted in and becomes manifest in our lives through love, through the love of God and through death to self. The love of God is shed abroad in every believer's heart. And the Holy Spirit can work with that because when we are in the love of God, we are yielded to the Holy Spirit. He can work with us when we're yielded. Holy Spirit takes our humble place, our yieldedness, and he turns it into a lush garden of his fruits and his gifts, not our works. There's grace there, there's mercy there, there's peace there, there's rest there. A garden of Eden, we get to walk with Holy Spirit in the Garden of Eden, in communion with Father God. Hallelujah. In the cool of the day, in the morning hours, in the last light of dusk. Beloved, can you just breathe that in? Can you just soak that in? Walking with your Father, Him being near, his presence with you and in you. Hallelujah. In times of fire and in times of refreshing, 
We get to be in the humble place with our Father. Hallelujah. In times of trial, in times of tribulation, and in times of triumph. All times. We get to be in the presence of our loving Father. And those fruit that he gives, the the gifts that he gives, they work through his love. Hallelujah. Every, even though every single gift of the Holy Spirit, we may not feel, we, we may, it may not be abiding. He always provides what we need when we need it. He always su- supplies by Holy Spirit his gifts to us. And when we remain humble, when we remain yielded, when we remain in his love, Holy Spirit fills us up. He fills us up in his anointing. And gifts flow through us as they're needed for every situation in life. He's never late, beloved. He's never early. He's never late. Hallelujah. The right gift at the right time, every time. And we just need to stay in that humble place, trusting in our Lord. He will cause every gift of the Spirit to work through us, to do his will, to glorify him, and to impact those around us. In our humble place, we are yielded to the heart of God. Who wants to be yielded to the heart of God? I want to be yielded to the heart of God. Thank you, Lord. We're teachable in that place. We're pliable in that place. We're pliable like clay in a potter's hand. We allow self, listen, We allow self to be consumed by God. You know, self is the worst baggage you can carry around. It really is. And when we stay in the humble place, he consumes that, and we get to be consumed by him and by his presence. Hallelujah. Our humble place comes first from knowing how much he loves us, loving him in return, and loving other people. Knowing, knowing that he loves us, loving him back, and loving other people. It's only the love of God, only the love of God, that allows us to live in that place of humility, in that place of submission to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's your best friend. We want to be in submission to the Holy Spirit because when we are in submission to the Holy Spirit, we are in submission to the heart of God. Thank you, Lord. Just like it was, it was only Jesus' love, knowing, knowing that the Father loved him, And it was only then his love for us that allowed him to do what he did. Coming to earth and walking out that path that he walked out on our behalf. 
and walking to that cross. It's only the love of God that allows us to live with our eyes focused on his heart rather than self. The only true joy, really, true joy comes when we're out of self and reaching out in love to help others. Jesus at all times, no matter what, was submitted to his Father's will and pleasure because of God's love for him and his love for God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. It's our only way. The Holy Spirit enables us to fulfill the heart of God. The Holy Spirit enables us to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of God and the fruit of his love. John 6, 38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. That was Jesus' sole focus, to do the will of him who sent me. And we can only, what he did, what Jesus did, he did by the Holy Spirit. And we can only truly love others and submit to God when we are secure in God's love for us. That's the release. Knowing the love of God for you is the release. It's the open gate, okay? 1 John 4, 7 through 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God and knows God. We want to know God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It's his entity. It's who he is. It's not something he does. We want to walk that same way. We want the love of God to be who we are, not something we do. We want to be so enwrapped and so familiar with the love of God that it's just who we are. It's not something we have to think about. It's not something we have to put on. It's not a way we have to act. It's our very character. To know God is to know his love for you. To know God is to know his love for you. And when you know and when you are intimate with his love for you, it will not allow fear of any sort in your life. If there's a place of fear, there's a place where you don't understand how much God loves you. 1 John 4:18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. 
You can apply this to every relationship, okay? If you get into a situation and all of a sudden you start feeling fearful or like, you know, if, if I guess if harm is going to be done to you, and I'm, I'm not talking about physical harm, but you know how in relationships we talk and all of a sudden we start feeling defensive? You feel like somehow your territory is going to be taken? You feel like, that, you know, there's this maybe pride or this wanting to be right or this need to, you know, compete. That's all fear-based. That's all fear-based. That's some place where we have not allowed the love of God to minister to our hearts. Does that make sense? Okay. So how could Jesus suffer everything he suffered on our behalf? How could that happen? How could he walk that road of full, complete submission without, without question, full humbleness, full sacrifice? The only way he could do that is because he knew how much God loved him. The only way he could do that it's because he allowed the love of God to saturate him and drive out any fear, drive out any defensiveness, self, drive out self. It's because he understood, he knew he was intimate. Remember, he was in union with the Father before he came down here. So he intimately understood the unquenchable love that God had for him. So by the Holy Spirit, he was empowered to suffer the cross. He was empowered to offer himself. He was empowered to pray, pay the price for our sins and endure everything he endured by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, for the, thank you that he sent the Holy Spirit to us. Hallelujah. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God? Did you, did you just see what that said? Through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. If through the Holy Spirit, that's how Jesus did it, that's how we do it. Right? Amen. Cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Hallelujah. So it's by the Holy Spirit that Jesus, while he was hanging on the cross, now put yourself in his position, saints, Hanging on the cross. Picture yourself there. Okay? It was by the Holy Spirit that while he was hanging on that cross, in the very midst of all the agony that he was suffering, that he could forgive the ones who put him there. Do you need to forgive anybody? Is there someone that you feel that has put you in a Un, in an unfavorable position. Did people put Jesus in an unfavorable position? 
Did he forgive them? Do we need, need to do the same? You know, we can get into so much petty bickering, petty strife, needless. Looking at somebody else's fault or how they're not quite up to par. Why do they have these outbursts? Why did they do this? That inconvenienced me. Was Jesus ever inconvenienced? But he chose to act by the Holy Spirit the way that God would want him to. He chose to act out of the love of God. It's a choice in every situation. I think everyone should go read Romans 14 and 15 this week. I really do. Think about other people's differences and how you, you, you get this like gnawing inside sometimes when it's not done your way or when they, and I'm not talking about sin, okay? I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about personal differences that we have, perhaps, that might grate on our nerves. And we have to make choices to end the strife. It's petty. It's not of the Holy Spirit. And it needs to be banished. None of us is better than any other person. Anyway, back to my message. <laughs> But anyway, as he hung on that cross, because he had been falsely accused to those that rejected him, to those that crucified him, he said, forgive them. Forgive them. In the moment of agony, in the heat of the situation, forgive them. It is the Holy Spirit dwelling in Jesus through love that gave Jesus the victory as he hung on that cross to do what he needed to do for our salvation. Every one of you was considered at that moment. Every single one of you was considered as he was hanging on the cross. He did it for you. Luke 23, 32 through 34, and then 46. Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. Now remember, he was being unjustly, Jesus was being unjustly crucified. Not justly. When they came to the place called the skull, where they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. So many times we get offended. The other person may not even know what they're doing. And we take it as, we take it so personally. And rather than do that, we need to look at, we need to look at the, situation of the other person. We need to look at the conscience of the other person. We need to look at the, the heart of the other person. 
the pain maybe of the other person and stop and consider and forgive immediately in that moment. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. In that moment, can we stop? When we want to retaliate, when we want to think something bad, when we want to speak a sharp word, when we want in our hearts to criticize that other person, can we stop and say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my way. Into your hands I commit my thoughts. Into your hands I commit my words. Into your hands I commit my actions. Wouldn't the world be a different place? If we all intentionally, in the moment of harm, said, Lord, into your hands. I can trust your hands. I can trust your love for me. I don't need to turn to self in this moment. It was only by Jesus' love, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that Jesus could say to one of those criminals, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Right? Hallelujah. His love reached across that divide. His love reached across that divide and gathered another soul into his arms. I want to do that. When there's a divide, empowered by the Holy Spirit, by the love of God, I want to reach across that divide rather than criticize, rather than condemn, rather than find the problem, rather than find that other person's shortcoming. I want to reach across. I want to end the divide. And I want to gather them into the hands of Jesus. I want them to feel the love of Jesus. Hallelujah. So it's by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we are able to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. There is a place of captivity in the heart of every person you know. You have your own place of captivity. Let it be our mission to look at another person, find that place of captivity, and bring the love of God and set them free. Let, us, let that be our mission. Hallelujah. Luke 4.18 the Spirit of the Lord is on me, okay? It's by the Holy Spirit. This is not something you can do in your own flesh. It is by the Holy Spirit, which is given to every believer, indwelling every believer. You don't have to grasp for this, beloved. God in his graciousness 
has given every believer his Holy Spirit. Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That's you. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let us proclaim the blessedness of the Lord to people. Not the judgment, not the condemnation, the love and blessedness of the Lord. Is that what saved you? Well, you get to help save somebody else's life. So being that it was by the Holy Spirit that Jesus was enabled to do what he did, we see that we must also walk by the Holy Spirit every day, seeking his counsel, seeking his wisdom, seeking his comfort, seeking his long-suffering, seeking his patience, for the issues of life. Issues are going to come and they're going to aggravate you. People are going to come and they're going to aggravate you. And like I said before, I'm not talking about agreeing with sin. I'm talking about dealing with the hurt and the brokenness and the pain in people's lives. Because that's not how we're meant to live. Jesus came so that we could live in his fullness right? So we need to seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit for the issues of life so that by the Holy Spirit we will do the will of God. Say, I will do the will of God by a Holy Spirit. And we will see God's plans fulfilled in our lives and we will see God's plans fulfilled in other people's lives. You know, there's nothing, well, I shouldn't say there's nothing more sad, but isn't it sad when you look at something, a, 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 a person created by God, and you know God only has good for that person. You know God only has good thoughts for that person. You know that God has beautiful, marvelous, wonderful plans for that person. And you see that person in a bondage that is keeping them from, from walking in the fullness of what God has. But you see, you have the answer. By the Holy Spirit, by the love of God shed abroad in your hearts. And by the Holy Spirit, you get to, you get to help bring that life into the fruition that God intended. That's a powerful place to be, and we need to be careful. We need to be attentive to what we have and what we can share and how we can help. You know, does that make sense, what I'm saying? It is by the Holy Spirit that we have the power, we have the steadfastness to press forth into the all of God, no matter what the situation, no matter what the situation may be coming against us, no matter what the situation may be coming against somebody else. By Holy Spirit, we have everything we need. He will be there present with every gift, with everything that we need to make 
to help us press through that situation into his victory, okay? But we have to stay in our humble place. We can press forth. He has for us to defeat every enemy of the cross in our lives. Of the cross in our lives. Of the cross in our lives. See what I'm saying? Every enemy of selflessness in our own lives. That's what gets in the way. The self the flesh, the carnal. But he's already given us what we need and he will be there when we call on him to help us defeat the enemies of the cross. Every enemy of our humble place. Okay? So we want to invite the Holy Spirit. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to invite him. We want to welcome him. We want to say, welcome Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's not an it. He has a mind. He has will. He has emotion. Okay? And his will is always to please the Father, to carry out the Father's plans through us. Do you think that would be a hard job? <laughs> yeah, because I know me. And if we're all honest, we know ourselves. It's not an easy task that he has, especially because he's a gentleman. And he backs off when we don't invite him. He backs off when we tell him to. But he has this charge to work with us, us imperfect people, right? He's got a charge. It's his mission. It's his goal to work with us, to support us, to encourage us, to comfort us, to guide us, to give us wisdom. And we're not always the most teachable of lot, are we? But we want to be. We want to be. And he has this commission to guide us into the heart of the Father. And he knows the heart of the Father. So who better would you want to guide you? There's, none, there's no better. So as we stay submitted, as we stay humble, as we stay yielded to the Holy Spirit, spending time with him, getting to know him. He's very knowable, very knowable. To, oh, and then when we get to know him and he's speaking to us and we're speaking to him, to obey his instruction. He'll only agree with the Father. He'll only testify of Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? So we want to then obey agree with what he tells us. When we do that, you will see the glory of God manifest in your life. You don't have to chase it. You don't have to run after it. It's there. It's present. So how do we stay humble? And how do we stay Submitted 
How do we do that? I'm going to give you, and, and you'll think of others. I'm going to give you four. Four different ways. The first one is worship. Worship. Worship, 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 worship. Abandon your heart to God. Worship him. There are lots of ways that you can worship God. What does worship do? It moves our hearts. It changes our hearts. It it brings our hearts alive to the life of God, to the breath of God. Moving. It moves our spirits to be encouraged, to reach for the high things of God. It elevates you into a place where you can believe and reach and believe that it is the divine nature that you've been given to reach for the best of God, to no longer see things as impossible, but to see things the way God sees them. We want to worship. It moves us into a place where we believe for the more of God. It's, we, you can't not believe. You know, you understand what I'm saying? It, it just dramatically moves your heart to believe for the more of God, the abundance in the truth of the word. Worship is so important. And that can be in song, that can be in word, that it, it, can, be, it can be so many ways for you to worship God. Pour out your adoration upon him. So we set our hearts on the higher things in worship. Colossians 3, 1 through 5. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Think about that. You have been raised with Christ. If you're a believer, if you're a believer, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Set your hearts on those things where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. With him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. That's the self. That's the me. That's the what do I need? What, do I, what am I going to get out of this? How am I going to benefit? How am I going to profit? Right? It's not the do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right? That's where we want to be. In Jesus. God also inhabits our praises. When we're worshiping, when we're praising, he inhabits that. He loves that. Psalm 22, 3 through 5. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One, You are the praise of Israel. 
In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. Wasn't this the psalm that the word was given this morning? Or am I wrong? Huh? Oh, okay, never mind. Same idea. So I guess the Lord's trying to get something across to us. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. We can trust him. We will not be disappointed. In the KJV it says, But thou art holy, O thou, that inhabits the praises of Israel. He dwells with us in our praise. He dwells with us in us in our praise. In this particular psalm, Psalm 32, it was actually an expression of Jesus' trust in his Father. That's what, that's what this is an expression of. He knew that in his hour of greatest need that his Father would not abandon him. He knew that because he knew the love of the Father for him. He knew that his father would deliver him. He could only be confident of that. Think about it. He could only be confident of that because he was confident in his father's love for him. Worship moves us to abandon ourselves and trust God. It gets you outside of yourself. You're praising him, you're worshiping him, and it it brings down all these facades, all these walls, all these chains that shackle you, that, that are, you know, the devil wants you to believe that are between you and God. And God has none of that for you. So when we praise and when we worship, we abandon ourselves and our, our, our thinking and, our, and, and, and the walls that have caged in our minds. And it allows our spirits to leap into the heart of God. And we can trust him. We can rest. We can lay it down. It's because we're worshiping him. And we don't have to go through all these mental gymnastics. Our spirits just soar with the spirit of God, the presence of God, when we worship. When we worship, we are expressing that same trust in our Father. We are abandoning ourselves into his arm, into his heart, into his love, And it moves us to abandon ourselves. And our Father responds to that. He responds to that faith very tenderly, very tenderly. We serve a precious, tender, loving Father. The second thing is read the word. Holy Spirit speaks to us and brings us very personal, very intimate revelation of God as we read his word. He'll speak to you directly through his word. 
He will give us very, very personal direction, personal wisdom, personal understanding through the word. Holy Spirit will meet you with a word of wisdom. He'll meet you with a word of knowledge. He'll meet you with a special revelation as you're reading the word. Okay? It is the word that gives us the roadmap, so to speak, for the issues of life. Psalm 19:7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. When truth comes to you, do you, do you feel joyful? Do you receive joy when truth comes? All of a sudden you're in a situation and it's like, aha, I get it now, Lord. And that truth comes and you just like explode in joy giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. His commands are radiant, giving you light. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. And we get to follow that. We get to follow what's altogether righteous. We don't have to stop and think about, is it good, is it bad, is it right, is it? His precepts are altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them, listen, by them is your servant warned. You get to be warned about what's coming. You get to be warned about what's coming. In keeping them, there is great reward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So as we read the word, we're going to receive revelation for our specific need whether that's warning, whether that's encouragement, whether that's a new fresh idea that he's going to give us in a situation. Holy Spirit will give us these nuggets of gold, this wisdom, this discernment, this understanding as we read the word. The word, remember, the word is alive. It activates our spirits. It's actually alive. It's an alive word. Thirdly, prayer. Prayer brings relationship. You can't know someone if you're not in relationship with them. You can know about them, but you can't know them. Prayer brings us into relationship with the Lord. He's walking side by side with us. When we are, we are communing with him, it's a conversation, <coughs> hand in hand, side by side with our Lord. And it's an anytime thing. You can do it all day. You can, you can just talk to him. I talk to him sometimes when I'm talking to y'all. 
I'm serious. Like, I'll be talking to y'all about this, and I'm still talking to him. You know? You're talking to someone, and they, and they need some advice. They need some good counsel. And while you're talking to them, you're talking to him, and he's talking to you, and all of a sudden he says, say this to them. And that's a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a word of understanding. Just because you're talking to him. So, so, so prayer, really all it is is this, it's a, it's a two-way street. It's our communication with him, but then it's us listening. We cannot do all the talking. Have, have you ever been around someone and they just talk the whole time? Okay, now I'm not saying this in a critical way. I'm just saying when we're talking all the time, we're not listening. And, and there are times to talk and share wisdom, and that's important. That's wonderful because God gives you wisdom to share but then there are moments to stop and listen and be teachable and be pliable and say, you know, okay, I'm going to hear from you. I'm going to get your direction. You know, we can't do all the talking. If we come to the Father to get his advice, don't we want to take it? Don't we want to hear it first? It's like you come to him and you have this problem, which he knows about already, but it's fine. You know, you talk to him, but then we have to listen and why would you go talk to someone if you don't want to get their advice? So we have to, you know, we have to back off sometimes. Got to back off. Many times the word says that he'll answer us before we even say a word. He'll just like drop ideas in our spirits. And often it's when we're worshiping. Often it's when we're reading. Often it's when we're praying. Isaiah 65, 24 before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. Isaiah 30, 21. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whoa, isn't, isn't that just like gold to us? The wisdom of God in those situations? Just precious. Just precious. Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. That's the kind of counsel I want. Not someone who's thinking about what they're going to get out of this. That they're going to counsel me in a certain way so they can benefit. See, he counsels us only in love for our best. Thank you, Lord. So once we get that good counsel, we need to follow that good counsel. It doesn't do any good to go get his advice and then not do what he tells us to do. Not at all. If we choose not to do what he tells us to do, we shouldn't be expecting his best. That's, that's a non sequitur. Okay? The fourth one, which is the last one I'm going to do today, is fasting. Fasting helps you submit your flesh. Now, I'm not saying you have to go crazy fast in 40 days. And you can fast a lot of things. You can, you can fast even like from night till noon the next day. You know, that you have to listen to the Lord. 
about your situation. But fasting helps us step out of the carnal, and it gives us time to focus on God. And you can fast anything. It doesn't have to be food. Everyone thinks of food when they're fasting. You can fast a lot of things. Talk to God about it. It gives us time of reflection. It gives us time to receive revelation from God. It helps us, bec- it helps us become aware of idols that we have in our lives. Right? Anything that we put before God is an idol. It helps us get rid of distractions in our lives. Distractions that get in the way of his intention in our life. We can idolize an awful lot of things, and we may not even realize it. We can idolize our jobs. We can idolize how we feel when, when we get the results of that job. Okay? We can idolize the pursuit of financial gain. You know, people always looking about, well, he's doing better than I, and why does he get blessed when I do this, and I'm following all the rules, and he's getting all the money? That's idolatry. That's putting something else before the Lord. We can idolize sports. We can idolize social media. We can idolize TV. We can idolize politics. Your political leaders are not your God. They don't have all the answers. In fact, they have very few. (laughs) And it's getting worse. (laughs) You don't want to be looking to your political leaders. We can idolize watching the news of the day and getting so sucked into it that we think that's really the way the world is. It might be what's happening in the world, but it's not our reality. We don't live in that reality. And if you find yourself being sucked into that reality, all these prognostications of what's going to happen according to the news or, or whatever, you have made an idol. You have sacrificed something of God in your life. Here's another one. There are so many prophets on social media today. You, you, can, you can put whatever on and you'll see 50 billion prophets and they all have a different prophecy. That's not good. Now, are there true prophets? Yes. And will God give you a spirit of discernment? Discerning of spirits? Do we need to discern spirits? Yes, we do. But all this following these present-day prophets at the expense of your own time with the Lord and your own hearing from God and your own uh, scripture reading, I'm sorry, that's an idol. It's taking the time that you're spending, your personal time hearing from God individually. Do you know that he can tell you individually what he tells a prophet? And I'm not saying there's, I believe in prophets, in prophecy. It is scriptural that he tells prophets things. 
but you need to have a spirit of discernment, which the Holy Spirit gives. Okay? So fasting helps us get rid of distraction. It helps us focus on Jesus. It helps us hone into the word. And we receive revelation in our communion with him during that time. I'm going to give you an example. Acts 13, 1 through 3. In the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While, listen, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, so now we have worship, we have fasting, we have prayer. After this had occurred, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So they received a word about what to do in a situation from the Lord because of worship, worship, fasting, and prayer. That's just one example. I don't want to keep you here all day or I'd give you more. Okay? So this is an example of direction and answers received out of fasting, prayer, and worship. So these are just a few things. These four are just a few things that I've gone through today that help us stay submitted, that help us stay yielded to the Holy Spirit, that help us stay in that humble place where we can hear, where those rivers of living water, where the fire of God burns through situations, bringing us wisdom and understanding and knowledge about the challenges and the issues in our lives. This is the place where we get to be confident in God's love for us. We, it puts us, it, it, it helps us trust him. It helps us put ourselves into his hands. And it, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk pleasingly unto the Lord. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to love others to walk in the love that he's shed abroad in our hearts. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to release fear and allow walls to come down because we have a Father who loves us and who we can trust. So anyway, that's what the Lord, uh, I believe, wanted me to share with you today. So... It's the humble 